Welcome to the Apologia Podcast, the audio-only archive of the Apologia YouTube channel. Note that some content was designed to go with visuals, but the imagination can be a powerful thing. If you enjoy the podcast, please consider giving it a 5-star rating on the podcast app you're using now to help us reach more people. Or, since this endeavor is ad-free, consider going a step further and supporting us for as little as a dollar a month at patreon.com slash apologia. But for now, let's get to the episode. Part of the Apologetic series, posted November 9, 2020, titled Independent Gospels, Christian vs. Christian. J. Warner Wallace versus Mike Lacona response. Thank you for being a part of this uh, panel discussion, answering questions this evening. So many well-known apologists from the same school on stage together. I'm sure they're going to agree and affirm on so many things. Last time he did that on stage, I told him if he did it again, I was going to shoot him. <laughs> Uh-oh. Welcome to Apologia, where a former Christian takes a look at the claims of Christians. Recently, an in-person apologetics mega-event was held in the former church of Pine Creek Doug, featuring such familiar faces as Michael Behe, John Lennox, Greg Kokel, J. Warner Wallace, Frank Turek, and Mike Lacona. The last session of the weekend was an audience Q&A with the panel, and one was levied to Dr. Lacona, from someone concerned with the obvious and significant differences between the Gospel of John and the other biblical Gospels. Talking about the liberties John took with biography, could the difference be rooted in how Romans, how the Romans and Greeks did biography as opposed to the Jews? I don't think so. Um, I mean, that's a fair question, but... To those unfamiliar, Mike Lacona has a PhD in New Testament from the University of Pretoria is the author of several books about the historicity of the Bible, and his Risen Jesus ministry is focused almost entirely on historical methodology. A devout Christian advocate and apologist himself, Lacona prides himself in his endeavor to remove his Christian bias and investigate the Bible as one would any first century documents, rather than assuming they are divinely inspired sources. It is his opinion that the Gospels are of a genre called Greco-Roman biography, which allowed for some factual flexibility in creative narration and hyperbolic statements that wouldn't be acceptable from modern historians. They all followed these same kind of literary conventions. So if you don't like, you know, the idea of Greco-Roman biography, just call it ancient biography. Um, But John seems to follow a lot of those. But but John does things differently than um, Matthew, Mark, and Luke do. Matthew, Mark, and Luke, the first three books of the New Testament are so similar in content and composition, scholars put them in a group they call the Synoptic Gospels. We'll come back to this. There are a lot of differences, and Craig Keener, who's a specialist in Johnny, said that all uh, scholars who specialized in the Johannine literature recognize Johannine adaptation. In other words, John is um, adapting these teachings Most Johannine specialists think that John has taken Jesus' teachings. He's already got Matthew, Mark, and Luke down. He's probably familiar with those. And rather than just doing another repetition, because these three are so similar, John decides to do things a little differently. And so he takes Jesus' teachings, and he paraphrases them and recasts them in his own words. 
Um, and he takes some more liberties than the others do, probably with the speeches, the discourses of Jesus. Um, he still follows a lot of the biographical conventions of that day, but he does things a little bit differently, and it confuses. I'm going to throw something into this, just as something to consider. The gentleman interrupting Lycona is J. Warner Wallace. In case you're unfamiliar with Detective Wallace. Professor J. Warner Wallace, he's a Dateline featured cold case homicide detective, popular national speaker and best-selling author. He continues to consult on cold case investigations. Despite having the least amount of formal education in theology, Jim is the best-selling author on stage, with a whole franchise created around his Christianity is like being a cop shtick, and his police-themed theology grounded in his personal work experiences. What intrigued me about the Gospels as an investigator was that they were so different. Because I saw that texture, and it's as much an artist as it is in science, I'll just tell you that up front. But I saw the texture of the differences, and I thought to myself, ooh, this is going to provoke me to study a little more, because this feels like an eyewitness account, in the sense that it had the same level of variation. Wallace's narrative that the Gospels are the actual words of simple fishermen who just happen to be at the right place at the right time is clearly threatened by the mere thought that literary devices and theological intent might be at play with the Gospel writers. And I, and I don't know, I mean, perhaps it is true that this is a biographical, this is a, a genre of literature that gives people liberty to, to kind of change things. But I think what you're all wondering is, so you're telling me if I was to go back in time, John's account would not actually capture what Jesus said. Dr. Lycona says it would not. Preeminent Joannine scholar Craig Keener says it would not. And the scholars that Keener quotes would not. And even such a conservative scholar as F.F. Bruce said that John has taken Jesus' words and he re has recast them as an expanded paraphrase, a translation of the freest kind, a transposition into another key, and so much more. But the policeman says... And I'm telling you that when you go back in time to the eyewitnesses in my trials, they all capture what happened, but they capture it from different perspectives. Apparently, Wallace has an actual time machine for his trials to check this. Frankly, I might buy Wallace's line of thinking on the differences if I were still a believer. But when it comes to determining if the gospel writers were actual eyewitnesses to the events they record, it's not the differences that cause the problem, it's the similarities. When I get called out in the middle of the night for a homicide, they only ask the dispatcher to do one thing have the officers on the scene separate the eyewitnesses. And I do that for a reason. Because if I don't separate those eyewitnesses when I get there, five or six people who saw this just two hours ago will tell me the same story because they've had a chance to talk to each other. Right. We call that collusion. Even though the story is being told by multiple mouths, it's from a single tradition. They are not independent accounts, just one. One suspect account. You know, the differences that you mentioned, though, between variations and eyewitnesses, that can work between, let's say, the synoptics and John, or Mark and John. But that doesn't work so well when we're looking at differences between Matthew, Mark, and Luke. When I did my eight-year focus study on gospel differences, at the end, what really impresses you are not the differences, but the similarities right. with the synoptics, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. That's what I said. With the gospels... 
you've got Jesus mainly speaking in Aramaic. It's been translated into Greek. Right. It's almost word for word in the report in a minimum of 20 years later. Right. So whereas you could have that independent testimony between John and let's say Mark, you're not, it's, it's going to be more difficult to establish that between Matthew, Mark, and Luke. To reiterate, Mike is saying that when you look at the original Greek, the authors of Matthew, Mark, and Luke are all reporting translations of events and Aramaic conversations identically, word for word. Maybe Wallace can understand why this is a problem if Mike phrases it in the form of a crime analogy. The way I'd explain it is this. If, let's say, the five of us are at a restaurant and we're having dinner and we notice a couple at the table next to us and they're having an argument and we're watching that argument intensify over the course of 10 minutes and finally the couple stand up and they're yelling at each other and the woman takes a wine bottle and breaks it across the guy's cheek and just then the paramedics, the police come, they arrest the women, um, take her off in cuffs, the paramedics work on the guy's face police officer comes over and asks the five of us at that moment to report right down independently what we saw yeah. and what we heard. Like you say, there's going to be variation in eyewitness testimony. There's going to be a lot of similarities. There's going to be a lot of differences. Mm -hmm. Now, if the police officer gets those back and he looks and sees there's virtually verbatim, word for word, in many of those instances, that police officer is going to know, be suspicious that there was collusion involved, collaboration involved. But there's more. Mm -hmm. That couple was arguing in Spanish. Now, fortunately, we're all fluent in Spanish. Mm -hmm. But the police officer is not. So the police officer asks right. us to translate that into English. Mm -hmm. Now, anyone who's remotely familiar with another language knows that there's no one-on-one -on -one correspondence in translations. And even you'll translate something differently tomorrow than you translate it today. Sure. But when they get it back and they see that there's still a one-to-one -one correspondence in many cases, word for word, in our translation of what was said and done, the police officer all the more is going to be suspicious that we have colluded with one another. But there's still more. Because it's not just 20 minutes later that we're doing this. Mm -hmm. It's 30, 40, or more years later that right. we're recalling those things, word for word, translated. Now the police officer is rightly going to uh, know that we worked with one another on this. Exactly. This observation of Mark, Matthew, and Luke is so obvious that Bible scholars even give it a name, the synoptic problem. And they resoundingly affirm that the authors of Luke and Matthew obviously copied Mark. Unfortunately, Wallace's folksy crime analogies can't survive this kind of sophisticated analysis, so he's forced to backtrack and change the subject fast. Okay, so you're saying like as, an, as a police officer, well, I'm going to give you as a police officer because I happen to be a police officer. So for, I'm just saying if I was to take a crime that occurred last week and it was a 20-minute thing, and so you each write 10 pages on what happened, and I don't tell you that that's, an, and I present it to you instead as an ancient document, you will see all the things that we try to harmonize, that we try to try to harmonize or explain away through genre, you will see in the event from just last week. We're not trying to explain the differences anymore, Jim. Mike's knocked you off your script. I think what you're wondering is, can I have any confidence that that event actually occurred and that I can reconstruct the event reasonably given the data? 
And my fear is that if we aren't careful, that we could find, the, the cases I'm working, if I gave those to you and told you they were 3,000 years old, you would be tempted to figure out how to explain the differences by way of some genre or anything else because they are hard to reconcile. What do you mean by my fear is that if we aren't careful, Jim? Why wouldn't you consider all the reasons your witnesses might disagree? It sounds like you just automatically assume that all your witnesses are telling the truth. That's not good detective work. Note that Jim is basically warning the audience away from scholarly work like Mike's and asking them instead to prefer a less informed, less evidence-based intuition and appeal to so-called common sense. Not a good look. There will be places where they agree word for word. I don't think that necessarily one of two things happen. They either um, made it up together, those pieces word for word, but if they're sprinkled without, along the way with differences, but some things are similar, I'm also going to be that they just happen to hear those things accurately and they represented them accurately. Jim is completely ignoring Mike's objection. To accept Jim's explanation, we have to believe that three different writers independently translated what was said into a different language three separate times, but in exactly the same way. And it's worse than that, because the matching sections aren't just spoken words. They have identical descriptions and interpretations of setting and action. Every middle school teacher in the country would bust these guys for plagiarism. So, so my thinking on it is a question you probably all have is, can we trust that what we have are four documents that are even reconcilable. Since this is really between you and Mike, I'll just read from Mike's newest book. Anyone who reads the Gospels carefully will notice that there are differences in the manner in which they report the same events. These differences have led many conservative Christians to resort to harmonization efforts that are often quite strained, sometimes to the point of absurdity. His words not mine. Or that we have to kind of guess where authors took liberty with the facts. Or were they even privy to the facts? As a detective, don't you do some checking to see if your witness was actually there? <laughs> Worse yet, none of the authors of the four Gospels even claim to be witnesses. American courts don't generally allow hearsay, Jim. We have to figure out, my job is to reconcile those differences before we get to trial. And sometimes you can do it because you can interview people and get those things reconciled. But sometimes you can't. And it's an open question. And then, but, but I don't necessarily jump to, well, you're colluding. But you do immediately jump to collusion in your day job, Jim. Remember you said... When I get called out in the middle of the night for a homicide, they only ask the dispatcher to do one thing. Have the officers on the scene separate the eyewitnesses. And I do that for a reason. Because if I don't separate those eyewitnesses when I get there, five or six people who saw this just two hours ago will tell me the same story because they've had a chance to talk to each other. So why do you ignore the signs of collusion that are obvious to other Bible scholars? All I'm saying is there's two ways to read that. One is, quite possibly, this is just how eyewitnesses operate. And the other is that the author of Mark wrote down the stories about Jesus that had been circulating for 40 years. The author of Matthew took Mark, copied it almost word for word, making a few changes here and there to make it line up better with the Old Testament. The author of Luke also took Mark, copied it almost word for word, changing a few things here and there for his own theological spin. If Matthew was an eyewitness, like Wallace contends, it's very suspicious that he would copy Mark's version of the story about how he meets Jesus, rather than tell that kind of important story in his own words. Even if we take the traditional authors as the authors, which I very much do not, Mark and Luke 
would not have been witnesses. Wallace is now downgraded to the mere possibility that they were witnesses. But that's not where the evidence points. You know, I, I think sometimes when Christians hear these discussions, they get a little confused about the notion of inspiration. Hey, it's Craig Kokel stepping in like a dad to break up the fight. With what's just been discussed here, I just don't want you to get confused about that. God uses all kinds of people in all kinds of circumstances and all kinds of literature um, to communicate his truth. It's the writings themselves that are inspired, even when they have general differences about really non-essentials. Is Greg afraid that sophisticated discussion about the Bible will be confusing? Are Mike's observations dangerous? Why try to shut this down? Well, I always say this way. If, if God wanted to give us a document that we could then look at from the lens of eyewitness accounts and eyewitness statements. So that one day a policeman could sell millions of books about it? And it would have all of the characteristics of eyewitness accounts, even that we see today. He did a good job. It was inspired because we, we now, uh, you can test it as an eyewitness account and it passes the test. These reports are anonymous, are from decades later, don't entirely agree, and are yet clearly copied from each other. I'm not sure what test you're looking at, Jim. I don't think you'd put these on the stand in one of your cold cases. Listen, I disagree with Mike Lacona on a great many things, but at least he's being honest and open about what he observes, not interrupting scholarly analysis for an oversimplified and clearly imperfect analogy to shield the audience from thinking deeply about their holy book. The truth has nothing to fear from the light. For more investigation into this detective, tap on the thumbnail on screen for the Apologia vs. J. Warner Wallace playlist, and I'll see you over there. Later.